the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Created for God's glory, you are my glory, says the Lord. This is what the Lord has been speaking to us on. Our text, Exodus 24, 1 to 18. And we have another one, 1 John 1, 1 to 10. There's a lot in these scriptures. If you would take the time to read them again, many times I don't dwell on the texts. I take scriptures from many other places to communicate what the Lord is saying. But if you look back in those texts, you're going to have a lot of revelation. You're going to understand those scriptures, those texts more clearly if you go back to them. Our scripture prayer prompters, scriptures that help us to pray. And I really want to encourage you, I really want to encourage everyone to use scriptures to pray. Use scriptures to pray. For example, let me just give you an example. You are in your house, you are at home, and you want to pray, or you want to read the scriptures. You can pray like this. Lord, the entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Let your word enter my heart. Let there be light. Let me see light. I come with a simple heart, with the simplicity of my heart. Lord, shine your light to my heart in the name of Jesus. And as your word says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my feet. Let your word be a lamp to my feet, Lord, to my life. Let there be light upon my life as I read your word. May I behold wondrous things out of your word, even as your word says, Lord, in the name of Jesus. How shall a man, how shall a young man keep his way pure? Is by taking heed according to your word. Lord, how shall I, as a young man, keep my life pure? Is by taking heed according to your word. Lord, may I take heed. May I learn from your word in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. See how many scriptures I just used to pray. I want you to practice that. I want you to learn to do that. I want you to be free to do that. It's, um, you know, God has done what? Exalted, magnified his word. That's Psalm 138 or so, verse 2. Say, God has exalted, magnified his word above all his name. Amen. So, when we bring the word of God to him in prayer, God honors his word. God respects his word. He will not break his word. Amen. It's the same thing you go, you know, as a lawyer. You go before the judge and you start, you know, referring to laws. You bring out those laws. What can the judge do? What can people do? The, the judge, except to respect the law. God respect the law. His word, when you present his word to him, you make your case with his word. Hallelujah. If you do that, you would have presented a good case. Even the people of old, the saints of old presented their case with the word of God. 
Moses presented his case many times with the word of God. With what God told him. Lord, you said this. Lord, you said that. King David said, after God had spoken to him, he sat down before the Lord and he said, Wow, Lord, because of what you have said to me, I now have confidence to ask you these things. Will you please do as you have said? Do what you say. You said this, please do it. You said this, please do it. Basically, quoting him, quoting God. So, let's learn to quote God. Let's learn to refer to the word of God. It's, it carries weight with God. But guess what? It also does what? It drives the devil away. Amen. You overcome the devil by the word of God. Jesus Christ had nothing to say to the devil except the word of God. He just quoted the word of God back to him. As the devil quoted the word of God, Jesus Christ quoted the word of God back to him. So we need to be equipped. We need to be armed with the word of God. It's power. Hallelujah. Okay. Created for God's glory. You are my glory, says the Lord. So scripture prayer prompts quickly. We have a new one. And this one is First John chapter 1 from verse 5 to 7. Verses 5 to 7. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This is, this is long but not difficult to memorize. This is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. This is very powerful. It's a God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, if we say that we relate with him, we talk with him, we interact with him, we commune with him, you know, we are friends to him, he is our friend, and we are walking in darkness. It says that's a lie. That means you are not practicing the truth. There's no way you're going to have fellowship with God and you are in darkness because he is light and there's no darkness at all in him. So there's no way you say, I know God. I believe in God. Oh, there's no way you say you are a Christian, but you walk in darkness because God is light. So he say, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Not just with him, but also with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Wow, that is powerful. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Not just that Jesus forgives us our sins. Amen. But he actually cleanses us from our sins. Amen. That is, you know, when you purge something, when you cleanse something, that is not just forgiving it. Amen. Oh, just go. That's okay. That's just go. No, this is not just go. This is cleansing you. Amen. This is cleansing you, purging you. Hallelujah. Removing the stain from you. Hallelujah. The Lord delivering you from the tendency to do it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Giving you the power over it. Hallelujah. Oh, may the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. And the other memory verses you, which you know, 
The second one being, please show me your glory. Exodus 33, 18. And then last one is, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Mm. But we all with unveiled face, with open face, open heart, nothing to hide, nothing hidden, nothing hidden, nothing hiding. Hallelujah. Beholding us in the mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. We'll look more closely into this. That's scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. The Lord is saying to us, You are my glory. I created you for my glory. God will glorify and beautify you. And in doing so, he will glorify and beautify himself. May the Lord glorify you and beautify you in Jesus' name. The Lord seeks for glory. He desires to manifest his glory to his people and manifests his glory through his people to the world at large. God will first manifest himself to you, then through you manifest himself to the world. We looked at this very closely last week. So we might say it is God's will to show his glory. It is God's will to show his glory. So this means that the prayer of Moses in Exodus 33:18, please show me your glory. And the prayer of Jesus in the Gospel of John 12:28, Father, glorify your name. These two prayers are consistent with the will of God. When Moses prayed the prayer, please show me your glory. And when Jesus Christ prayed his own prayer in John 12, 28, Father, glorify your name. They are praying according to the will of God. They are praying according to the will. And when we pray according to the will of God, what happens? God answers the prayer. God answers the prayer. And so God answered their prayer because they prayed according to the will of God. God desires to show his glory. God desires to manifest his glory. God desires to magnify himself, to glorify himself. So when we say, Lord, glorify yourself, it's consistent with his word. It, that's what he wants to do. He wants to glorify himself. He wants to magnify himself. Amen. We pray such prayer. I mean, that kind of prayer actually takes a different meaning when you are in a difficult situation. Like Jesus being in a difficult situation facing the cross. He was troubled and he said, Father, glorify your name. And the Lord said, I have glorified it and we glorify it again. Amen. When you are in a difficult situation and you don't know what to say, just say, Lord, glorify yourself. I don't know what to do. Show up. That's what it means. Show up. Magnify yourself. Show up in this place. Show up in this thing. I don't know what to do. Just show up in the name of Jesus. Let your hand be seen in this matter. Glorify yourself. I don't know what to do. So Jesus Christ, pray that prayer. Lord, glorify yourself. I love David's prayer in Psalm 27 verse 4. It's also very much in line with the prayer of Moses and of Jesus. It says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Isn't that our grace that we say all the time? Amen. Psalm 27 verse 4 there. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. If there is anything to desire of the Lord, this is it. Because if you will desire this, you've got every other thing taken care of. So, David said, this is one thing that I desire. If God were to come to you and say, what do you desire? What do you want? What do you want me to give you? May your prayer be like this. Mm-hmm. Just, as, just as the Lord came to Solomon and said, what do you want me to give you? What do you desire? And what did King Solomon desire? King Solomon desired the same thing that God desired. Amen. May we desire the same thing that God desires in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because if we desire the same thing that God desires, guess what? It's done. Amen. And guess what? It will do you good. It will not just do God good. It will do you good. It will bless God. It will bless you. Amen. It will glorify God. It will glorify you. It's a win-win situation. You can't lose. If you would desire the same thing that God desires. So the psalmist says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I seek after. That will I seek. And what is the desire? What is his desire here? He says, That I may dwell, that I may live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the glory of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I just want to stay in your presence. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to live in your presence. To ask questions of you. Yes, to be talked to, to commune with you. I just want to see your glory, to see your beauty. That's the desire of the psalmist. May that be our desire in the name of Jesus. He said, for in the time of trouble, you will hide me in your pavilion. In the secrets of your tabernacle, you will hide me. You will set my feet upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Amen. If you dwell in the house of the Lord, these are the benefits. Protection, provision, and all of that exhortation, glory. May the Lord give us such a desire. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord change the desires of our heart. To be God's desires. In the name of Jesus. That our desires will be consistent with the desires of God. In the name of Jesus. There is that scripture that says. Those who remember God in his ways. Amen. Those who remember God in his ways. Those who actually take on the interest of God. The interest of God become their interest. Hallelujah. So they remember God in his ways. And God will remember them. Amen. Hallelujah. I also love this prayer in Psalm 90. From verse 16 to 17. Psalm 90 from verse 16 to 17. Let your work appear to your servants. And your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the glory of the Lord. Our God be upon us. And establish the work of our hands. For us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May this be your prayer. Let your work appear to your servants. You see, Jesus Christ many times will say, It's what I see my father doing that I do. Amen. 
is what I see my father doing that I do. Is the work that my father does that I do. As I see my father work, that's what I work. So this prayer says, let your work appear to your servants. That God will show his work to you. And what is the work of the Lord except the word of God? Is the word of God that God works. So when you say, let your work appear to your servant, you say, let your word appear to me. Open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law, out of your word. Let your work appear to your servant. You are a servant of God. If you are born again, you are a servant of God. And your glory to their children. I say, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Let the glory of the Lord our God be upon us. May the glory of the Lord our God be upon us in the name of Jesus. And he said, and establish the work of our hands for us. Now, this prayer that says, establish the work of our hands for us. What is the work of your hands except the work that God has shown you? The work that God has shown you, that is what you are doing. And if it's the work that God has shown you that you are doing, you can be sure, you can be sure that God will establish it because it is his work that you are doing. Amen. Because you said, let your work appear to me. And you don't just want to see his work, you want to do his work. It is what you see that you do. Amen. You express your experience. Amen. You express your experience. Your exposure determines your experience. Your experience determines your expression. It is what you see. It's what you behold that you become. Amen. So the psalmist says, show me your work. Because I want to do your work. And when I do this work, which are the work of my hands, establish them. May the Lord establish the work of your hands in the name of Jesus. May your, the work of your hands be established from generation to generation in Jesus' name. Amen. You are my glory. I created you for my glory, says the Lord. I want to tell you today that you are the object of God's glory. You are the object of his glory. God will glorify and beautify you. And in doing so, he will glorify and beautify himself. It's in the interest of God to do you good. For in doing so, he will look good. Yes, it's in the interest of God to invest and be invested in you. For the returns are to his glory. The returns are to his glory. He wants to invest and be invested in you. And the returns are to the glory of his name. You are not a nobody. You are not a nobody. You are somebody. You are not just a somebody. You are a chosen generation. You are chosen. You are divinely selected. You are royal. You are a priest. You are holy. You are peculiar. Amen. You are all of that. What does that mean? It means God has put a lot into you. It means God has put a lot into you. He has invested in you and is invested in you. Amen. He has put a lot into you and is committed to you because his investment is in you. He is in you. So he won't let you go. You are a chosen generation. Divinely selected. He has made you royal. Regal. He has called you a priest. And he has made you holy. And he said you are peculiar. All of that to his glory. Amen. You are my glory. I created you for my glory. Says the Lord. The glory of God in your life is not just to make you look good. It is to make God look good. 
so that God will expand, enlarge, and extend his kingdom. The glory of God is transformative. The glory of God is transformative. The glory of God will transform you and positively affect the lives of those around you. The glory of God is light. And so it is revelatory. The glory of God is light. And so it is revelatory. If we look at Ephesians chapter 5, there's a powerful scripture there that talks about the light that we are in God. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's just read verse 13 for now. It says, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. But all things that are exposed or that are revealed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Light makes manifest. Light also brings you from sleep to being awake. Light also causes you from the dead to being alive. That's what he's saying there. All things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. And light does not just make manifest. Light also causes those who are asleep to be awake. So are you asleep? Are you sleeping? This is talking about those who are retrogressing, those who are backsliding in their faith, those who are sleeping off on the job. It says the light of God, the glory of God will cause you to be awake. And if you are dead, those who are dead are those who have not even given their life to Jesus. If you are not born again, it says the light of God will cause you to arise from the dead. So the light of God will awaken you. The light of God will also cause you to arise from the dead. And Christ is the one that gives such a light. So the light of God is revelatory. The light of God is transformative. The light of God, the glory of God will transform you. The glory of God will bring revelation. Will bring an opening of your eyes. An opening of your understanding. I want us to take a closer look at um, that Second Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's remind ourselves of that scripture. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, have been transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, have been transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This brings us back to the question, how does the glory of God work to transform us from one level of glory to another? How does the glory of God work to transform us from one level of glory to another? And I want to say there is another question, and it's actually a question that comes before this one. And that question is, how does the glory of God place us in the very first level of glory. Because if you read that Second Corinthians 3.18 says we are being changed from glory to glory. So we are already in glory. We are just being changed from one level to another. We are just being changed from one level to another. So the first question 
days. How does the glory of God transform us from one level of glory to another? But I realize there's another question that should come before that. How do we even get in the first level of glory? How do we even get to the first platform of glory? Then, if we know that, then we'll begin to look at how we now go from glory to glory. We first of all need to get to glory. At least the first level of glory. Then we can talk about glory to glory and glory to glory which is endless. Amen. But another question is, we have three questions now. Another question is, what is the first level? What is the first level of glory? What is it called? We will answer those questions. We're taking it backwards now. The first question is, what is the first level of glory? The second question is, how does the glory of God place us in the first level of glory? So, what is the first level of glory? How does the glory of God or the light of God place us in the first level of glory? Then the last question goes back to the first question that we asked some two weeks ago. Is how does the glory of God work to transform us from one level of glory to another? I hope we understand. Amen. Okay. So, looking at 2 Corinthians 4. Remember that 2 Corinthians 3.18 is that scripture that says, But we all with unveiled face. Now, it goes to chapter 4. Of course, it's just one piece of letter that is divided into chapters. So, if we go further to chapter 4, in verse 6, it says, It is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Who are shining our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He's saying God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That is the same God who has commanded light to shine into our heart. Where did God command light to shine out of darkness? In Genesis. Amen. The first place where God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, which was a transformative and reformative work on earth, was Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Amen. So, Paul is saying here by the Spirit of God, that for you to even come into the first level of glory, God will command his light. We have to command his light to shine into your heart just the same way he did in the beginning. And why did he do that in the beginning? You will see that in Genesis chapter 1 there, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Before we get born again, we are like the earth. Before we get born again, we are like the earth here. And how was the earth here? The earth was what? Without form. Amen? was also void and it was also dark it was covered with darkness 
the earth was formless, shapeless, without, without any form to it, no shape to it. And something that doesn't have shape, doesn't have a form, there's no way to name it. Amen. And it's also void, empty. Before you get born again, life is formless, is shapeless, and void, empty, and also dark. Amen. That's the life of somebody who is not born again. The life of somebody who has not seen the glory of God, who is not born again, is formless, empty, and dark. Just as God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, God will have to command light or will have to shine light into their hearts. And you see here in Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1 to 3, God did not begin to do anything with the shapelessness of the earth or with the emptiness of the earth until God, first of all, started with light. The first thing is light. Amen. If there is no light, forget it. But after God brought light into darkness, after God commanded light, then he began to walk. You need to have light first. So first of all, God put light, then he put things into structures and he filled the place up basically amen with light then you have direction with light then you have life you know the light of god is life so god now began to create things to put things in place because there was light amen so paul in this place in second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 is saying it is god who commanded the light to shine out of darkness who has also shone or shine into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. This is the light of understanding of the glory of God. The light of understanding of the glory of God. The light of knowledge means understanding. So the light of understanding or understanding of the glory of God. Understanding of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Basically in the presence of Jesus Christ. In the presence of God. Amen. So the first thing that you experience is the glory of God bringing you from darkness to light. The light of God shining into your heart and revealing who you are to you. Revealing who God is to you. And you saying... Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I see my sins. Lord, I need you. I see that I need you. When the light of God, the glory of God shines into your heart, you will receive such a revelation. And such a revelation will now bring you to the first level of glory. Amen. The light of God will now bring you to the first level of glory. So the first level of glory is called what? Salvation. The first level of glory is called being born again. And that very first level, God brings you into, into it by his glory, by shining his light into you, by revealing your heart to you. And you see the depth of your heart. You say, oh wow, my heart is ugly. You see your sins. But you also see the righteousness of God. You also see the glory of God. You see the darkness of your heart. You see the light of God. And you come to God and say, Lord, forgive me my sins. I want to know you. I want to be born again. So, 
if we go back to second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 if we just take it from there and kind of walk our way into chapter 4 we'll see some things there before we read that if we ask the same question how does the glory of god work to transform us from one level of glory to another now we can understand and now we can look at that and that is actually very deep how does the glory of god transform us from one level of glory to another so we can see that what paul is saying here in verse 18 second corinthians 3 18 but we are with unveiled face with unveiled face means what our face or our heart is open amen anyone who is born again his face his heart is open at that level amen but don't stop there it says beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the lord so the glory of god brings you into the family of god the glory of god brings you into salvation the glory of god brings you into the first level of glory but the glory of god doesn't stop there the glory of god will continue to change you from one level of glory to the other the first and the most important is that first level that first level there's no way to even describe the transformation that one experience that you experience from dead to life amen from death to life from hell to heaven from sinfulness to righteousness colossians put it this way he said uh, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son he loves amen the lord would deliver us from the power of darkness the glory of god delivers you from the power of darkness if we talk also talk about the glory of god the glory of god is in another way in another form the scripture also describes it as the glory of god that raised jesus from the dead it was the glory of god that raised jesus from the dead so if you look at it like that you also understand that the glory of god is the spirit of god amen so the glory of god is the spirit of god um, that brought us from death to life that brought us from darkness to light the spirit of god does not just bring us from darkness to light actually the spirit of god makes us what light amen so we are not just brought from darkness to light we are actually made light ephesians chapter 5 from verse 8 it says for you were once darkness for you were once darkness before you became christians before you knew christ it says for you were once darkness this is powerful if you catch this revelation you will know who you are really in god you will know that you are not just a nobody that you are somebody you will know that god has placed so much in you he has invested so much in you you see there was one time that you were darkness but now you are light did you hear that you are light before you were darkness now you are light in the lord he said walk as children of light walk as children live as children of light how do children of light live he said for this fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth and verse 11 says 
It says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. If you are light, it says you will actually expose them. Even just your presence, just your interaction, just being around the darkness, darkness runs away. Amen. Just being around unbelievers, if you live the life of a Christian, just being around unbelievers, they know. Amen. Some of them, if they see you come around, they stop what they are doing. I don't know if you have ever experienced that. Amen. They are talking garbage and talking rubbish. The moment you come in the room, the moment you come in, the, in that break room at your work, if you live in the life of a Christian, the moment you come in there, they will say, here he comes. Hmm? They shut up. They change the subject. Because they know you. Unless you have not been shining as light. Unless you have put your light under the bushel. If your light has not been shining, they don't know the difference. They don't, they think that you are the same like them. But if your light has been shining, the moment your light comes in, remember you are not just children of light. You are actually light. So when you come in, the light shines and they are exposed and they shut up. Amen. So it's a walk as children of light. It's powerful. It's really very powerful to know that we are not just children of light. We are light. We are not just created for his glory. We are his glory. Amen. We are not just created for his glory. We are his glory. We are light. When Jesus was in the world, he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now that he is no longer in the world, who is the light? We are the light of the world. Why? Because he lives on the inside of us. So we are the light of the world. It means that it's dark. This world is darkness. Oh, may the Lord give us understanding in the name of Jesus. Now, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Hallelujah. But we are with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, unveil face, meaning a face, a heart that is not covered up, a face that is open. You don't have uh, a sheet over your face. You don't have um, a blanket over your face. You don't have um, something covering your face. I mean, it will actually be very stupid to, for you to stand in front of a mirror with your face covered. You want to see your face in the mirror but you cover your face i mean that would not, that would not make sense at all so that's why this place says we are with unveil face unveil face that's to be with unveil face that we can behold in the mirror the glory of the lord your face has to be unveiled to see yourself in the mirror if your face is not unveiled you're not going to see yourself in the mirror amen and what is the mirror what is the mirror the word of god is the mirror the glory of god is the mirror. The scripture is the mirror. So we are with unveiled face. We behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image. So the glory of God continues to transform us but our face has to remain unveiled. Our face has to remain unveiled because many times also as Christians, we come before the Lord like the children of Israel came before the Lord with their face covered. We come before the Lord with our face covered. Meaning, there is something we don't want to discuss with him. There are things in our life that we, we, we want to leave God out of it. Mm. See, 
God, don't touch this. This is mine. Many times we do that. And when we do that, we cannot be changed. We will not be changed from one level of glory to another. Because God wants to touch every area of our lives. Now, I want us to jump to chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4. It said, therefore, since we have this ministry. What is this ministry? The ministry of glory. The excellent glory. The ministry of that transforms you from glory to glory. As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. Do you still have some hidden things of shame? Hidden things of shame meaning? Do you still have some things in your life that you are covering up? But Paul is saying, if you are really a Christian, if you have your face unveiled, it means you have renounced the hidden things of shame. You should not have things in your life that you are hiding. You may hide them from people, but you cannot hide them from the Lord. You say, not walking in craftiness. Are you still walking in craftiness? Not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending yourself to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If the veil of unbelief is already broken in your life, meaning you are already a Christian. You say, Paul is saying here, we voluntarily, we voluntarily remove from our face veils of secrecy. We voluntarily, since the veil of unbelief has been broken in our life and we now know God, we voluntarily remove from our face veils of secrecy, veils of dishonesty, veils of insincerity, and the list goes on. Amen. We are honest with the Lord. We don't hide anything from the Lord because we know that he knows. So we are honest with him. We are even transparent before him because we know that he knows. So we better tell him. And Paul goes on to say that by manifestation of the truth, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That is what we need to do. Manifesting the truth. Manifesting the word of God. The word of God becomes palpable. Becomes tangible in our life, through our lives. So that others can see God. And in verse 3 it says, but even if our gospel is veiled. If our life is veiled. If people cannot see God in our lives. It says... It is veiled to those who are perishing. If you can't see God in my life, it means you are perishing. That's what Paul is saying. If people can't see God in your life, there is something wrong. Amen? It's either they are perishing or you are not showing the light. Amen? So your gospel, your life must not be veiled. So may the light of God shine into our hearts over and over again in the name of Jesus. Amen? So, basically, we have answered questions one and two. The first one being, what is the first level of glory? Which is the level of salvation, being born again. That is the first level of glory. And the second question, how does the glory of God place us in the very first level of glory? How does the glory of God place us in the first level of glory? By shining, beaming into our heart. The glory of God beams into our heart. The glory of God shines the light into our heart. So we see our sins. We see the holiness of God. We see our own sinfulness. And we repent before the Lord. 
That's how we come to the first level of glory. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. God has spoken to us again. What have you heard? What have you seen? God has shined into your heart again. The glory of God is transformative. The glory of God is light. The glory of God changes us and changes the people, affects the people, positively affect the people around us. We must be open before the Lord. Are you in the first level of glory, which is the level of salvation? Have you entered into glory? Have you entered into glory? It's not only those who die as Christians or who pass on as Christians that enter into glory. Anyone who is born again has entered into glory. Have you entered into glory? Have you entered in the first level of glory? Are you born again? Are you born again? Do you know the Lord? Have you repented of your sins? Are you light? Are you light? Has God changed you from darkness to light? Are you light? Have you been brought from death to life? Have you been taken out of hell to heaven? Because that is what it means to enter into glory. To be on that first level of glory. That platform, that first platform of glory. Have you experienced the glory of God? Have you seen God? Have you heard God? Have you touched God?